Welcome, everybody, to episode 93 of the Metabilis 2 podcast, uh, which features myself, Ben, <laughs> and uh, David. Hey. Hey, here, here we are. And tonight, tonight, today, we are going to be talking about Rosa. Yes, the third story in series 11. Series 11 of Doctor Who. So, who's going to kick off? I'm going to ask you the question, David. What do you think of Rosa? I thought it was a pretty good story, all in all. As did I. All of our dire <laughs> predictions from last week sort of didn't come true, and I was very pleased about that. Yeah, I thought we were right to be a little bit concerned, but... I think we were. Mallory Blackman and... Chris Chibnall pulled it off, I guess. They did. Uh, there was some fine performances, I thought, acting-wise, yeah. especially from uh, the woman who played Rosa Parks. <laughs> I thought did an excellent job. Absolutely. That was Vinette Robinson. Okay. Yeah, well, she, well, she was in 42. Was she? What previously. was she in 42? She played Abby Lerner. How interesting. So it's been... Uh, well, that was in 2007, so it's 2018, so that's 11 years since she was last on Doctor Who. I thought her accent was very good. What did you think? What, uh, you're, well, you're, you're, you're an American. You can tell when people are putting on a silly accent. Yeah, well, being that I can't really tell accents very well, I thought it was very good. <laughs> it was remarkably convincing. None of the accents really stuck out as egregious to me. Mm -hmm. Some were a little over-the-top Southern, but uh, yeah, yeah. perhaps that fitting for the time too uh, i mean i was thinking that presumably a lot of the extras you know the kind of you know walk on walk off um american racists um must be <laughs> south african so i was like even more impressed by their you think like uh, uh, the speaking roles were south african yeah i would I, I i would be surprised if they'd flown like you know british people all the way from britland because mm -hmm. you may as well just fly a bunch of Americans from Montgomery if you're going to fly them all that way. Right. Um, to do, you know, like, you come around here, boy, kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. Well, yeah, I was impressed. But a lot of those scenes could be also on the soundstage in Cardiff, too. That's true. Like in the in motel any kind of room. interior. Yeah, yeah the but the whole like, the glove thing and all the buses. Right. Well, so that was on location, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Huh. When I was watching it, I thought you'd be pleased that the Artron Energy uh, did finally appear. I was very happy to hear that Artron <laughs> own Energy was involved. Um, also, you know, time agents get a name check and they've got their, you know, their, what are those wrist things called? Those things? Vortex manipulators. Vortex manipulators. <laughs> and I also, I mean, I was thinking about it. I, I, I get the impression that, um, you know, the 52nd century or whenever time agents are from, you know, the time of Magnus Greel is a time of, like, racism vaguely. So that seemed kind of, like, appropriate. Yeah, so... Yeah. I guess what I really liked about it is they put you right in Segregation South. Yeah. Four minutes, 30 seconds into it when Ryan gets slapped by Mr. Steele for, uh, I think, touching his wife's shoulder trying to return the glove that she dropped. Yeah. And it immediately put in that element of danger that we've never had with the 10th Doctor tenant would tell Martha, just walk around like you own the place. Right. And even in Thin Ice, where uh, it's a little different approach, where uh, Sarah Dollard had 
Bill say history is a bit of a whitewash, and the doctor right. agrees with her. This, we have the scariest monsters of them all, humans. Yep. And then just setting it and then bringing it right in with uh, Rosa Parks, you know, because Emmett Till was murdered just like four months, three, four or five months earlier at the end of August 1955. Right, right. And so it, it really... I think put the danger in place and just the, the tonal shift right when they're walking down the street, Yaz is going, time travel is awesome. Meanwhile, Ryan is returning the glove and then just gets it. To me, it looked like a punch, but they kept referring to it in the script as a slap. As a slap. It really looked like a punch to me. <laughs> it was certainly a pretty solid thwack. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, no, the, the whole danger thing came out quite well and it was, um, well, it just it just worked really well because the doctor's explanation was that they are from out of town, and Rosa Parks then reminds the doctor, says the doctor, so is Emmett Till. I mean, he was a 14-year-old boy from Chicago who didn't know how to play by the segregation rules yeah. in Alabama, and he was murdered because of it. Yeah, exactly, in the, in the most horrible way possible, kind of beaten yeah. to death. Well, worse than that, I mean, he was he was beaten to death, mutilated, shot through the head, and then uh, sunk in a river. Oh, that's it. They sunk him, didn't and, they? Yeah. Yeah, and then so when they discovered his body, uh, his mother insisted on an open, uh, open casket funeral so the world could see what they had done to her sons. Yeah. And it just it's a horrible, horrible crime. And then and then to further the impact of it, then. Uh, Jet Magazine ran a picture of uh, the murdered Emmett Till's body. And, you know, so for that time period, that generation, uh, that that was very visceral. That was very in the minds. And you can imagine that this fear and the intimidation of the KKK and the murder and, the, and just that whole bit of atmosphere, I think, was really conveyed well and then reinforced throughout throughout the story with the scenes and maybe i I think some people think it might have been a little heavy-handed but Mm -hmm. i think i think that's looking back uh uh, people in the 21st century looking back not realizing how horrible it truly was i mean i think one of the things that brought it home to me is the is the whole kind of urban aspect of it i mean i guess vaguely because, you know, I mean, kind of sort of, you know, exploitation movies, etc. You know, you kind of vaguely expect in a kind of deliverance sort of way, mm-hmm. like rural America to be kind of, you know, scary and full of sort of, you know, insane racists. But it's the mm-hmm. kind of urban aspect of Montgomery. Um, I thought they brought out really well. And something as, you know, uh, what's the word, as mundane as getting on a bus becomes right. a kind of fraught, humiliating... Uh, randomly cruel experience, um, which I thought was kind of brought out really, really well. Right, with the scene with Yaz not knowing where to sit. Exactly, or even the, the kind of, you know, the, it's not a pre-credit sequence, but the kind of pre-sequence of, of Rosa Parks, you know. Oh, right. With a, left. With, with a bus driver driving away because she, you mm-hmm. know, not gone through the right door. I can't actually remember what the what, what it was, but you know, it, the whole thing was just kind of fraught with just as I said, mm-hmm. just kind of random cruelty and humiliation. 
Well, Rosa Parks had a history with this bus driver, James Blake. Right. And so that was good that they said it 12 years in the past. Yeah. That first scene. Which is, which is kind of, again, kind of sort of... Started to, so I, I'll have to say, you know, I mean, my schooling as a child, um, I think my children get taught about Rosa Parks a lot. Um, you know, growing up in 1970s Britain, I, I hadn't, you know, never heard of Rosa Parks. Right. Um, um, Do you think now... Still don't know much about Rosa Parks, to be honest. We had a little bit growing up in, uh, you know, the 70s and 80s of the, of the civil rights movement, but that was really, I mean, uh, 55, 65, 75, 85, that was only 20, 30 years after the start of the civil rights movement. Right. And so it was more recent history, so we didn't weren't really treating it as history. It wasn't until uh, like uh, documentaries on uh, PBS in the mid-late 80s with Eyes on the Prize comes to mind and just some of the other uh, stories did that kind of history get taught to uh, rest of America who didn't live through it. Yeah, and I think, um, again, one of the things interesting me, I, mean, I think, um, you know, looking at the, the houses and the buses and people's clothes and the cars. Mm-hmm. You know, again, growing up in Britain, if you look at all those things, the first thing you really think about, like movies like kind of Greece or something, and, you know, America at that period in the kind of 50s being this kind of, you know, Elvis-centric uh, sort of, you know, mm-hmm. um, wonder wonderland of kind of milkshakes and big silly cars and, mm-hmm. you know, going to the dance and all that kind of stuff. Um, when actually for, you know, major part of the population of the United States, it was kind of a living hell, basically. Right. Yeah, it wasn't a kind of a fun, jolly place at all. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was a horrific place. There is oppression throughout the U.S. Um, it's certainly better now, not that we've uh, removed all of that, but like even in you know where I live currently in Oregon, there is laws on. Well, the Oregon State Constitution had a black exclusion laws right into the Bill of Rights, saying um, blacks could not settle in Oregon. And right, if they did, right. they'd be forcibly removed. Yeah. And yeah. the KKK was active in the 1920s in Oregon. And yeah. they were trying to keep it as a white only state. So yeah. it wasn't just the South and it was spread across the United States. It's just the concentration uh, was in, in with the Jim Crow and segregationist laws in the South that uh, kind of mobilized the African-American, the black community, or the colored, the Negroes, as the time would say, um, to stand up after a lot of people coming back from having fought in the Second World War, seeing, you know, we stood up for, uh, we stood up against Hitler, and here we're second-class citizens in our own country. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously the the point about the Northwest is, you know, it was just as racist as the South, it's just there weren't any black people there, so they had no one to be racist too well they uh they were racist against chinese japanese chinese and japanese yeah right world World war ii thing so yeah yeah. Yeah. u.s history is not uh very uh uh, wonderful when you look at when you look look beyond the dust jacket a a lot of times and i mean that's why that's why i wanted uh matt smith's doctor to go and actually meet geronimo right just because this is the type of story that i think doctor who should be involved in 
and where I think there's some flat notes in it, and I see them more when they're trying to make a joke or even with the time races with Crasco. It's just that seemed more out of place. There was... Of course, that makes that gives the doctor some something to do in this yeah, rather than yeah. well, you know that they want to ensure history. But yeah, it's a couple of things. I mean, I think the first thing I think they did a good job about kind of not and I you know this is one of our fears I think when we talked about this last week is that mm-hmm. they did a good job of pointing out that like racism is still a thing um, and that you know Rosa Parks didn't single handedly demolish all racism and like racism no longer exists because mm-hmm. they had that little very good bit in the alleyway with Ryan and Yaz talking about, you know, how he gets pulled over by the cops and right. she gets called a packy all the time, um, et cetera, right. et cetera, et cetera. I thought that was I good. think that really made the piece poignant for yeah. today. And this is obviously targeted for a British audience, even yeah, though Doctor Who has a wor- is worldwide. Yeah. But that really, I think, probably drove it home for a contemporary audience in the UK saying, look, you can point to this in the 1955 here in Alabama, but there are problems still at home with racism and unfairness and unjust and inequality. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, uh, I think, yeah, obviously, you know, racism had a different uh, trajectory in Britain right. um, for, you know, various, you know, purely historical reasons. I mean, Britain, right. you know, White British people are no less racist than white American people. It's just we're, we, they were, we, they um, did it abroad. Were, still <laughs> are um, racist in different ways. Um, I did think, I mean, you know, as, as I said at the beginning, I mean, I thought that Krasko was okay as a villain. Uh, as I said, I, I sort of had this vague idea that, you know, the time of the time agents is a time of kind of racial unrest. I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure where I get that idea from. It may be something to do with um, the temperature. <laughs> The towns of Wang Chiang being vaguely racist of, of, of its of its own of its own accord. Um, right. I thought again he had this kind of you know with the beard and the clothing. He had a kind of proud boy kind of yep. look to him. I mean, yep. I thought that was well done, I and mean, he did look like racists tend to look like nowadays, which is like right. sort of not sort of you know cigar chomping sheriff Waldo Pepper types but actually mm-hmm. kind of like vaguely you know bearded young men right apparently are now racists i don't know so i thought that was well done it wasn't just the bus so you have the scene where ryan gets uh slapped for returning a glove but yeah. then you go in the cafe where we have the waitress going in there saying we don't serve negroes or mexicans <laughs> or mexicans but ryan's response is lifted directly from muhammad ali uh cassius clay at the time where after he had won the gold medal in rome in 1960 he had returned to his hometown in uh, kentucky and tried to order at a lunch counter and that was exactly what he was told and Ryan gave exactly Ollie's response. So obviously it was deliberate on, I think, Blackman's part. Right. But just that Ryan was hit, and then to give the response to the world's greatest all-time boxer for the same line, it just it, it seemed to me really uh, good craftsmanship with, yeah. with the writing and just the, 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 you have the threads uh, of going through. Yeah. And so you have all these individual experiences and then you have with the segregated uh hotels white only hotel and then like you see that that scene in the alleyway with yaz and ryan yeah pretty much being sick of uh (laughs) being in here 
Yeah, and I thought the I, also with Ryan, I thought the kind of double take that he did when he met Martha Luther Martha, Martha. Oh, the fanboying there yeah, was Martha, just Martha amazing. Martha. I can't believe I met both of them, <laughs> which I thought was really really nicely done. Well, they also had, in addition to Rosa Parks' husband, uh, Raymond, I think she called him Pops, um, they had Fred Gray, who was both Dr. King and Rosa Parks' lawyer. Really? I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, okay. so that was the, the second man after uh, Pops or uh, Raymond Parks that Ryan was introducing. Of course, he, he didn't twig on that, but uh, the interesting thing about it is Fred Gray is still alive. Oh, really? Uh, I think he's like 85, 86 years old and still in Alabama. So it's a celebrity historical but it's not the celebrity historical that was with the unquiet dead with the doctor just totally fanning over Charles Dickens. I thought it was really uh, nicely done with Ryan being the one to fanboy over yeah. uh, Dr. King. And and then when uh, Rosa calls him into the kitchen to serve, serve coffee, he goes, yes, Rosa Parks. And he goes, whoa. You know, it's like <laughs> it's still not real to him. It's right. just really... It was really nice to see yeah. uh, Ryan, not necessarily meeting his heroes. I think they're probably more of his uh, grandma Grace's heroes, but I think they meant something to him. And I think how it was a nice contrast where the doctor was trying to talk to Parks on the bus and Rosa pointing out to her saying, if you keep sitting here, I have to move. Right. This really wasn't the doctor's story. This was the story yeah. of uh, Yaz. This is the story of Ryan. And th- where the doctor had to play a role was to make sure that history wasn't derailed by Crasco. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, at, at the end, I mean, the doctor is, you know, is has to play the part of a white person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's... oh right. Well, well, Graham is the white man yeah. who the bus driver was trying to make Rosa to give up her seat for. Yeah, yeah. So he's that guy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and that's yeah, which I thought was very poignant, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, extremely well done. Um, I, again, I have to say, I called it on um on the bus on, driving on Graham being a bus driver. It's yep. it's a key skill of his. I think every episode. <laughs> um, he's going. He's going to be called on to utilize his bus driving skills or his ability to talk to other bus drivers right. in order to solve a, like a vital point in, in the plot. <laughs> Do you think we're going to have a callback now to Delta and the Bannerman? Oh, could be, could be, <laughs> could be. But I mean, next week there's going to, there's going to be some bus related problem that he, only he will be able to solve. Well, one of the weak parts of the story, I thought, is a, a continuation of. Previous week, we had uh, one of the uh, guest cast use a knife to save the day or save someone. And this week, we have Ryan using the temporal displacement gun to, to just shoot the villain. Yes, that was weak. And this was after the previous week in the Ghost Monument where the doctor says guns don't solve anything, never carry guns. So we've now had three stories, and the message that was in the previous week has been undermined by the, the following story. And I can't help but think that this might be a little bit deliberate. You think? If it's not deliberate, it's careless. Right, <laughs> that way. right, right. Mm, interesting. It was well done. It was a little bit disappointing. I mean, and again, I mean, I think it was similar, you know, as we were saying to last week, um, you know, the whole story was really there in order to do the big reveal with the TARDIS, right. which 
Reed's uh, you know, sidebar still doesn't look very good. In fact, it was looking worse oh, this week than it was last week. The very phallic time rotor does not help at and those all. Those giant, great big bits of crystal just like lounging about. It's like as if some, yeah. as if some like crotons uh, like <laughs> invaded the TARDIS in a kind of evil way. Maybe they'll yeah. turn out to be crotons. Well, it, I read somewhere that it reminded them of a game show set, and I don't know if that's because they had Bradley Walsh on there or what. But yeah, it's it really like looks like maze or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Not a big fan of the time rotor. Uh, whoever greenlit that really needs to. Needs to. They need to. The TARDIS needs to redecorate itself at the end of this series pretty, pretty urgently. Yes. Um, shoot, I had another point I was going to come to, but then I got sidetracked by how I didn't, how I still don't like the TARDIS. Um, where was I? Hang on. Um, I've completely forgotten. Oh, um, yes. Cause like, so last week, you know, the whole thing to get us to get to the TARDIS, um, in some ways, you know, the whole Krasko thing was really just a, you know, it was just in order to have there be some kind of plot that we could work to. The whole point of the show was to mm-hmm. talk about Rosa Parks. Right. But I wonder, I wonder if Krasko, he knows what a TARDIS is. So is this a new reoccurring character? Is this another hint of a season arc where we oh have goodness. the... Krasko teams up with, with Jim Shaw and his teeth, teeth I, stuff? I don't know. Or is Krasko the timeless child because oh. Whitaker's friend shot him back into 20,000 years in history or something? I don't know. Ooh, I think he's going to have to be a bit more charismatic than that if he wants to be a recurring villain. I, mean, I suppose he does have a rubbish beard like the Master, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I'm hoping it's not the master. I'm hoping it's not uh, meddling monk or the Ronnie or any of the other. Yeah, again, I mean, I think it would be. I mean, I think again, the kind of weakness of Krasko as a villain actually was the only way they could have done this tastefully. You know, if it had been the master, you know, again, you know, trying to unwrite the Magna Carta or something, and kind of cackling his cackling cracking his knuckles and cackling Mm -hmm. um only it's rosa parks that really would have been a bit much right yes yeah well the one really i think uh creepy horrid scene that he did was when he was strangling the doctor yeah that bit of uh violence i think sold uh just well put it this way following on your proud boy observation that it's very very par for these individuals to be anti-woman, anti-black, yes. violent. And Krasko's very proud that he's killed 2,000 people. And that's what wound up up in the Storm Cage uh, detention facility. Now, hang on. So Storm, Storm Cage, that's where River Song was, River Song right? was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. yes, I, 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 think but, I, I think of that. But his time was after River Song was there. Good to, good to hear that the Storm Cage is still going, though, as a mm-hmm. going concern. Yeah, that was, yeah. That, was, that was good to know. Um, yeah, so I, I thought, I thought, as underplayed as he was in some ways, I think he had to be underplayed um, to avoid being, you know, it's the master trying to attack George mm-hmm. Stevenson and change the course of the development of the <laughs> of the steam engine because um, right. he couldn't, he couldn't really be that kind of historical. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was, he was creepy. He was creepy and 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 distasteful. And and I right. thought that. I'm not going to know who the because I don't know. I'm not going to say who the actor was. Um, but I thought he did a good job, especially with the. I've got some kind of thing in my head that makes me not able to kill people. I thought that right. was great. That was some yeah. great kind of creepy acting. 
Yeah, the actor was Joshua Bauman. Joshua Bauman. Well, so I well, suspect... Go on, Josh. I suspect he will be another character we'll see before the end of the series. We will see. Yeah. There'll be like a season finale where all the villains from... They'll team up. So the other other interesting bit, I, I, mm. obviously they gave uh, Yaz a bit more to do in this, where she right. had spent time with Rosa Parks, uh, but they had her doing police work. She was doing investigation, which is kind of what you pegged at the beginning of this series, that she's more of the, she wants to be more than just the beat officer. She wants to do investigative. She wants to move on the more intellectual side of policing. Right. So I thought that was good. And then uh, further development, I think, of Ryan's character and it, it just how he, well, just how like when he was shaking Martin Luther King Jr.'s hand, he's saying, thank you, thank you, Martin Luther King. And just where, <laughs> <laughs> and it's always like, yes, yes, Rosa Parks. And <laughs> and just like when after he zapped Crasco back into the past, he was going, nice one, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. And so he he talks to himself, which is kind of an interesting little bit of character trait that he's he tries to, uh, I don't know if he's reassuring himself or he's never got enough compliments, but it's it's kind of an, an uh, at least right now, it's an endearing trait that he has. Yeah, it's, it's a lovely, he, he's doing really well in terms of uh, the performance. I mean, Ryan's really kind of, he's actually weirdly, I was expecting to, to be more, uh, attached to Yaz at this point, um, right. uh, but Ryan's really growing, growing on me as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, very, a lot more, really well rounded, I think, or getting getting more rounded through this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you uh, think of Graham? I'm, I'm again slight. There's some slight dodgy acting at various mm-hmm. points. I'm not going to pull. I can't remember exactly. But well, there's one bit where I'm, oh yeah, he's yeah that that line reading is not quite right um but the in general one, the one that yeah okay uh, was there a particular bit that you noticed the one that really struck me up as just kind of a weird line is him complaining about his stomach after they were kicked out of the uh or when they decided to leave out of the segregated cafeteria or the pool hall right and he's complaining about his stomach which just it seemed like an off note to me, and yeah, right, it's going. Right. I, I don't think time travel really agrees with your metabolism or your stomach, right. Graham. And the other bit that was awkward, but I think it was deliberately awkward, is in the motel when he put his arm over the doctor's shoulder when the officer Mason was leaving, and the doctor just kind of goes, "Ooh, <laughs> cooties! Like, what is this?" So I think that was supposed to be deliberately awkward, right? Right. But there's other bits where I think uh, he did really well, especially the scene down by the uh, yes. the down river the where the yeah the where they were fishing. Now yeah. that seemed pretty. It seemed more natural. It wasn't wasn't as forced. It was very nicely done, and I thought the whole Steve Jobs thing was a nice bit of business. Um, okay, which, I thought it was, eh. which made me it made me smile. It didn't make okay. me laugh, but it made okay. me smile gently. Mm-hmm. I smiled gently with with slight amusement during that. So that was good. So, what did you think of the Banksy bit? Oh, uh, does everyone know how much I hate Banksy? Have I was going to ask you much? about that. You haven't, you haven't, we haven't talked about Banksy. I think maybe once, and that, but that was years ago. Have I talked about Banksy before? <laughs> I can't stand Banksy. Banksy is like the worst, every worst aspect of everything. Um, <laughs> so uh, he's a bad artist. He's a bad public publicist. He's like so arch and 
and whimsical and twee and just kind of English in the worst kind of like cool blimey <laughs> governor look at my skateboard sort of way. Um, yeah, I was upset that they had to name Chip, but everyone likes Banksy, of course, because he's a mm-hmm. che- he's a he's a he's a geezer. He's like, oh, I'm a bit cheeky. <laughs> so uh, I was upset that the doctor might be Banksy. Well, the doctor obviously isn't Banksy, but I just she sort could of like, be, though. Mm, yeah, no. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, well done for Doctor Who for you know inserting Banksy into um the show when obviously they didn't know that banksy was going to be in the news right the very week that show was going out yes shredded yeah. picture yeah well maybe it's just because banksy is always in the news because the news is so lazy and bereft of any kind of intelligence that anything <laughs> that banksy does becomes newsworthy could be could be and since he does something every week that's kind of boring and meretricious <laughs> and without any kind of interest whatsoever. Um, I don't know. Yeah. 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 You ever see the movie, 1970s movie with Donald Sutherland, uh, Kelly's Heroes? Yeah. Has that got Banksy in it? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> the, yeah. what, what reminded me of Kelly's Heroes is the line when the doctor's saying, uh, don't kill the vibe, Graham. And oh, then with yes. That, that was kind of. Oddball going, always with the negative waves, Moriarty. Always with the negative waves. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I didn't pick that up. But yes, it was very... What was the, what was the character Oddball. in Kelly's Hero? Yeah, that's Oddball. It. Oddball, yeah. Yeah, Oddball. one of the greatest Donald Sutherland roles ever. <laughs> one of Donald Sutherland's greatest roles. Exactly. He's, yeah. he's a hippie, but like 30 years too early. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, funny. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, yeah. Um, so the Banksy thing. I thought the vanishing like Sharpie was a bit weird because it's like she didn't have to write on the wall. She could have just written on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I think they wanted to do the whole uh, as they built up all the links and connections of right. Rosa Parks' life. They did you know string connecting it and lines and right. so they I think that, the whole that's kind of like visual. James L. Roy kind of like motel room kind of detective thing. Okay, right, right. yeah, that makes right. sense. So I think it was for right. for visual purposes, but okay. I mean, I, I let's so again on the season finale. I bet the vanishing the vanishing felt tip pen trick will come back again. Be very hmm. you know, well. She has what a uh, psychic paper. Now she has what uh, unpsychic invisible ink. Invisible ink. <laughs> She's becoming a right old spy from the nineteen mm-hmm. sixties. Yeah. So, any speculation to the initials on the suitcase of Crasco's GFB? Oh, I, I'm, I, I'm not really. Oh gosh, I didn't even think about that. GFB. Wow, you're, you're very observant. You must watch this show very, very carefully, as, as, as if you're perhaps some kind of fan. I, I don't know. Uh, I, that hadn't, hadn't occurred to me at all. No, yeah. I, I, no, no idea. GFB. Mm-hmm. Um, no one that I've ever heard of. Okay. I'm just wondering, is that one of these red herrings, or you have no meaning, or just just things to wind up overly observant people? Or Well, we, I mean, we've been schooled in, you know, kind of, five what seems like 50 years of um of moffat of moffatness to like every last detail has got to mean something i mean mm-hmm. i guess i don't know i mean it may mean something because you're not going to put initials on a suitcase unless you need to but right maybe... you're not going to have a self-lighting cigar unless you that self-lighting that... cigar is going to come into place somewhere yeah, and save you from the scars of doom that are busily <laughs> divining your future um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I will find out. I mean, yeah. Hmm. Time, time agents. King of the time agents. Why is? Yeah. Well, it, hmm. I think it's from a nineteen 
50s type suitcase i can't imagine i mean it's certainly not a more later suitcase because it doesn't have roller wheels on it for example (laughs) but of course by the 52nd century in the time of the icelandic invasion of whatever it was the philippine invasion of iceland or whatever whatever was going on then maybe they've gone back to regular old leather suitcases Mm, maybe yeah maybe who knows maybe there's a peaking homunculus is in it magnus grill had a carpet bag when he was uh, terrorizing exactly london so yeah could could well be it could have it should have been a carpet bag they should establish (laughs) that all time agents from the 52nd century carry all their stuff in carpet bags yeah isn't that like a civil war thing like carpet baggers Carpet bagging, yep, that yeah. was the term for the Northerners who came down to uh, oh, for okay. opportunity in the fallen South. So not racist then, kind of like the opposite of racist. Well, evil people who aren't opportunists, racists. right? <laughs> people who are evil, but at least they're not racists. Well, who knows? Who knows? I don't. Knows, I, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if a, a particular racism stigma is associated right. with carpet bagging, but it's certainly a stigma stigma, stigma term. Yeah. So, music. What did ah. you think? It's a little more orchestral this week. Um, I thought it was a bit high in the mix. Um, okay. I, from time to time, I was trying to work out what people were saying because the music was being all blary and moody in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was distressing me. Um, I could have done with more 1950s-style American music playing in the background. That would right. that would have been, I think, added to the atmosphere. I did mm-hmm. like the song. Um can't remember. Rise Up. Rise Up, um, by presumably by some modern pop star woman. Andrew Day. It came out in 2015. 2015. Okay, excellent. I thought that was, I thought it was very appropriate. Controversially played over the credits, though. Controversial, yes. Was it controversial? Uh, it was okay. Has it I ever mean, been done before? I don't know. Hmm. hmm. And we've had silence over the credits before. Right. Poor Adric. I don't think we've ever had a pop song or a contemporary song player. I think we've always had the theme over the credits. Uh, all bets are off, though, when Chib's in control. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows what we'll have over the credits next time. No cold open directly into the credits at the beginning? I, I thought that was weird, because I thought that 1943 bus thing would have been a perfect cold open. Well, maybe that's not what Chibnall has in mind for the series. Well, he's wrong. <laughs> Well, we can we can I edit that. Like we can it. fix that in like post. Yeah, exactly. We'll just we'll just we'll just cut it and put it in front of the in front of the credits. Yep. Um, I actually, I mean, I've gotten used to cold opens, um, and mm-hmm. they are the way that TV shows basically do it nowadays. Right. Um, so actually, good good for Chibnall for not having cold opens, and you know, you need to be right there at the beginning of the show, watching the credits. So excellent. Mm-hmm. Yes, good. Um, so, I mean, do you think the music was too loud, or were you were you happy with it? Uh, there was bits I really liked, um, but there's other bits where it was a little bit orchestral, and it's ultimately the producer and the director's choice on the music mix and the choice of songs, and uh, probably Akinola had some input in it, mm-hmm. but I thought it was not trusting that your story had enough emotional impact that you had to reinforce it with the song. Right. Right, And so I thought more or less the story had enough emotional impact after, what, 45 minutes that you felt for the uh, the oppression and what Rosa was standing up for, well, sitting down for, um, standing up against sitting down for, right. that you didn't need to have the Rise Up song, but... It is modern television, and I am not a modern person, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I guess if they, you know, if they wanted to cliche it up a bit, they would have had some, like, you know, Delta Blues or something. 
as well, the soundtrack. Well, I was thinking, and you know, to me, perhaps some better uh, would have been better contemporary music, but then you are contemporary to the time, so 1955. Right. But then I'm thinking what I would do, but then you risk being very cliched with. You, would you do for do you do for a, a gospel spiritual? Right. Uh, do you do one of the anthems of the civil rights movement? What do you do that isn't cliched? So if if you were if you were the producer and you were director doing this and this was your artistic choice, it's a fine song. It's an appropriate song. It's a good song for this. And uh, Andra Day has a, a wonderful voice, he so does. it worked really well. Uh, conservatively, I would have ran the credits with the theme song but you know again not my call obviously yeah 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 no i mean i i remember thinking to myself as i was watching the credits like oh this isn't i mean because i i like the new theme song and i would like to have heard you know again like a full credits worth of it mm-hmm. if you see what i mean and it seems like oh i you know i don't really like modern music so mm-hmm. why are they playing that piece of modern music oh because it's relevant um mm-hmm. yeah so anyway so, any other thoughts on this? No, I really, really enjoyed it. And as I said, I know less than I should about Rosa Parks, um, and I now I know more. Um, okay. So that's a good thing, because, you know, it's something I was reasonably... I mean, obviously, I've heard of Rosa Parks, but it's something I'm reasonably ignorant about, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, I can't know everything, can't say. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it did its job for me, and I thought it was very respectful, and it had some really poignant moments in it mm-hmm. about racism and not mm-hmm. in a kind of, you know, mm, bad racism, okay, kind of ways, but actual good, you know, genuine thought provoking points about what it must have been like and how it all worked. It had a good, good show, not tell type approach to what was going on. That is exactly the kind of words I was looking for and was failing to come up with. <laughs> so. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, so next week, Spiders uh, on a plane. coinciding with Halloween, I think, oh, uh, yes. uh, again, showrunner, uh, looking at the calendar, okay, we want something creepy, so we have uh, the Spiders of Sheffield, or whatever it's called, Arachnids in the UK, instead of Anarchy in the UK. Arachnids in the UK. Um, hmm. I'm, again, I'm going to express some worry about this. Uh, okay. I'm not frightened of spiders, so this isn't going to frighten me. Plus, spiders are good creatures. They're helpful, and they're clean, and they're tidy, um, and they eat flies, and flies are horrible. Um, So I think spiders get a bad rap, and if it's going to be all about how horrible and creepy spiders are, I'm not going to like it. Hmm. Oh, I'm Mm. hoping it's Return of the Great One. However, as you quite accurately (laughs) point out, if it is the return of the Metabelus 3 spiders, (laughs) then I am entirely in favor, because they were super. Well, probably not. Mm. Well, you never know. The Great One comes back. Some blue crystals. Hmm. I mean, we've got crystals. I mean, the TARDIS appears to be made of crystals at this point. Why not Metabilis crystals? That would have been blue crystals. We know of TARDIS blue. blue. That's so much better looking. Yeah, Yeah, and so this kind of creamy, pinky. Yeah. Yellow crystals. Yeah. Yeah. Blue crystals. Metabilis blue crystals. Or or, or Metabilis, as we now call Metabilis. Hmm, that'd be interesting. I bet you the Whitaker doctor pronounces it correctly. I well, bet, I bet pr- she does. pronounces it like our podcast. Yes, exactly, <laughs> like our, our special podcast. Um, so, yeah, I mean, your, your feelings about the return of the, some spider arachnids in the UK? Yeah, it. Uh, we'll see how... And they're spiders. Uh, I mean, all you got to do is tread on them. I mean, it's, it's not as if, like, they're, they're a threat. 
But they're huge, like the big money spider in the towns of Wang Chang. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. I mean, that, that I spiders have to be really big in order to be an actual threat. I mean, even, Lord of the Rings, big. Yeah, I mean, even in you know, even in 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 Planet of the Spiders, you know, <laughs> uh, the spiders were like their only threat because they could control you by mind control, right? Because you know, those, those colonists could have stepped on those spiders pretty easily. <laughs> And you know, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know about spiders. They're creepy, possibly, but they're no great threat to someone who's got a hammer. <laughs> well, maybe there's a, a news- deficit of or hammers or a, or a in news- Sheffield. Or a newspaper, yeah. So. <laughs> Both in short supply in uh, 21st century Sheffield. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're in trouble. So I, I, what do you call what do you call people from Sheffield? Sheffielders. Uh, it's a good question. Sheffielders? I'm not entirely sure. Northern? Mm. Probably just call them northern. Call them northern <laughs> people. Um, what, okay, what I'm curious about is mm. if, they get, if they're back in Sheffield, what is the motivation for our three TARDIS friends to go back onto the TARDIS? Uh, what's that biscuit cookie that you like? Uh, custard creams. Custard creams, there you go. Uh, free custard creams. An unlimited <laughs> supply of custard creams. <laughs> That we have, we have cookies. <laughs> works for me. I'm straight back into peril and danger and um, <laughs> having to hang around in that really badly decorated TARDIS control room. Yeah, but we'll, 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 I, I guess we'll find out. We'll find yep. out. Good. Oh, yeah. Yes. So just another little connection that I just, just remembered with, with uh, Muhammad Ali and Ryan yeah. is Ryan uses a boxing metaphor when he compliments Yaz in when she's there climbing through the window saying that this boy that she was seeing at the time was punching well above his weight. Uh. Well, th- that's one thing we didn't talk about is that, yeah. that ro- there seems to be a budding romance or that the uh, Yaz likes Ryan and who wouldn't. But Ryan seems a little bit shy around that, and uh, he, does. he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> so she was kind of a, uh, she was pleased that he paid her a compliment. But yeah, uh, yeah. well, there's a romance. When do you think? Do you think it'll be a will, will, will they, won't they kind of thing? Like you know, Friends mm, or The X Files, mm, um, or I don't know. No hanky panky in the Tardis. No hanky panky in the Tardis. According to Chibnall, exactly, exactly. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we have the makings of a series arc and who knows if Crasco is a returning character and we definitely had Artron Energy which is from the it's from the deadly assassin for crying it's out loud class- so. you can't get more classic than that so we've had a classic series name check we've had a new series name check with the time agents and the mm-hmm. vortex manipulator um, who knows what will happen next week maybe it will be the spiders and Metabetus 3 and River Song will be behind. No, it'll be the Ronnie. It'll, it'll be, be the, the Ronnie. It's going to be the Ronnie. It's always the yep. Ronnie. Yep. Be the Ronnie, finally. Yes. Or exactly. Susan. <laughs> or S- Susan. <laughs> the well known racist, Susan. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think Susan was a racist. She married a Scotsman for a, for a start. I mean, you can't get you can't get much less racist than that. This is what? David Campbell, right? Yeah. He was Scots, yeah. wasn't he? I think so. Hmm. Campbell's a Scottish name. Anyway, right. I think <laughs> we digress. Getting, we, we digress. We're getting off topic. Um, excellent, excellent third episode. Um, I would recommend it to anybody. I really, really enjoyed it. I wasn't expecting to. So I think don't think you can pay any higher compliment to you than that. Yep. It was a good one. It was a good one. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode 93 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. I have been talking with Ben. 
And I have been talking with David. And thanks for listening. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>